Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. All right, here we are in another College Monday. I'm Teddy Cahill. We got Mike Lanana and Jim Schonard here. We're going to talk about college baseball for the first time this season. Opening weekend, uh, just finished up. Actually, I guess some teams are still playing, taking advantage of President's Day, making it a long weekend. But the first three days of college baseball are complete. We have a new Baseball America Top 25, powered by Louisville Slugger. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. And we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about the, the weekend that was, all the action from around the country. Uh, so why don't we start with, um, you know, with the, the top 25, which in large part uh, looks the same as it did in the preseason, at least at the top of the poll. TCU still number one. Um, Florida State number two. Florida, LSU, South Carolina round out your top five. We do have two new teams coming into the top 25 this week. Uh, Mississippi enters at 22 after sweeping East Carolina. And Wright State comes in at number 25 after beating Clemson on the road. And this is the first time Wright State has entered the Baseball America top 25. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that Mississippi series East Carolina goes to Oxford as the number six team in the country. We like them an awful lot coming into this year. Very experienced group, uh, veteran team that that came close to reaching super region or came close to making it to Omaha last year. Um, they, however, go to Ole Miss where they get swept, and it was a young Rebels team that did this to them. A lot, of, the number one recruiting class. For Mississippi in the fall, and they they mixed them in. They started four freshmen most of the weekend. They mixed them with their their returning players, and they come away with three big wins. Uh, so, Mike, you uh, you wrote a lot about East Carolina this uh, this preseason. What did you think of uh, of, of this weekend and, and them uh, and, and their performance? Right. Well, you know, I knew it was going to be a difficult weekend. You know, obviously, anytime you go on the road against an SEC team, especially with the atmosphere there, I mean, I think it was a record-breaking crowd this past weekend. It was. They they set a record on opening day, a single-game record, <clears throat> and then it was actually their largest three-game attendance for Swayze Field, and the record they beat was a super regional weekend. So it was it was very good crowds in Oxford. Yeah. So I mean, you you, you look at that series and. You know, it, it was going to be tough regardless whether we had Ole Miss ranked or not. I mean, really, our hesitancy with them is just because they're so young and so much turnover, and you're just wondering how the freshmen are going to adjust. And you look at you look at the three games; all three of them are close for the most part. The first two were run one run run games, which is a difficult thing to say sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was just you know, I'm a little surprised it was a, it was a sweep. I, I thought ECU would at least get one. 
uh, at Ole Miss, but you know you just have to tip your cap to, to Ole Miss and what they're able to do, and just the freshmen responding quickly to that atmosphere. Not only were they close games, but East Carolina actually held a lead in all three games, and Ole Miss was able to respond, which when I spoke with uh, Mike Bianco, Ole Miss coach, last night, um, you know, he, he noted that. And, and you know, I mean, that, that's very impressive for, for a young team to, to be able to, you know, come back. Like, you, know, you fall behind, but they're, they're able to answer the bell every time. Um, and they did it most of the times. If you look, they, they often came back quickly. Uh, yesterday, they answered uh, a pretty big inning from East Carolina uh, in the bottom half and, and get the lead and, and are able to, to go on and win it. So, I mean, the the combination of the Mississippi freshmen coming in, but their their returners also were, were very good. They didn't throw their freshman pitchers very much this weekend. They, they relied more on some juniors and sophomores, and guys like David Parkinson pitched very well for Ole Miss. And, you know, you, you mentioned a hesitancy with uh, just how young Ole Miss is. I also have a little bit of hesitancy with their starting rotation. It's not, you know, when you when you look around the SEC on Friday nights, you see guys, so many guys that look like first-round picks either this year or next year. And I don't think Ole Miss really has that right now. They have a couple freshmen that might become that in a couple years. But, you know, what, what Ole Miss is running out right now isn't quite – on the level of you know what South Carolina and Florida and LSU are, are running out there, but it's guys with experience in the SEC and should they should be able to to, uh, to compete and, and they started off this weekend uh, competing very well against a very good team. You know, I I don't think mm. this takes away from what we think of East Carolina. No, I don't think so at all. And you know, because they were right there, like we said, they had leads. And you know, you look at at how they performed too. I mean. Duanye Williams Sutton hit a home run. Spencer Brickhouse hit a home run. I mean, Spencer Brickhouse is going to be a very important player for them as, as a freshman this year, starting at first base, a very powerful guy. Williams Sutton has, has you know, the, is the most tooled up guy on the team. Just freshman All American last year. Yeah. So you have both of them playing well. Um, you know, a little, you know, Trey Benton on, on that Sunday start struggled. You know, he's someone that they have a lot of expectations for as a, as a freshman with really good stuff. So you have to to watch and, and see how he progresses going throughout the season. But that's obviously a tough environment to pitch in in your first collegiate start ever. So, you know, the, the, there are still, there's still a lot to like with them. They didn't pitch as well as you would have expected, but from an offensive standpoint, they swung it well. You know, so I think it's just a matter of, of piecing together the pitching staff for them. And I think they have the talent, especially with a few of the arms that they brought in, like like Tyler Smith. He pitched a clean inning in Sunday's game. You know, Jake Agnos is another guy who could be an impact guy for them. And they have a few other arms that, you know, return some experience. So I think they'll be fine. Obviously, you don't want to start your season 0-3, especially, you know, that's not what you expect from the number six team in the country. But, you know, I'll, I'll see them piecing it together sooner than later. Jim, we we uh, we talked a little bit before. I, I don't want to overplay the RPI bit here. Yeah, three games in, but I mean, this was a marquee series opportunity for ECU. You know, they don't play in the SEC, they don't play in the ACC, so they don't they aren't going to have a ton of opportunities to play series like this. I mean, just what is what, looking ahead? How what, what yeah, does I mean, this do for that? I mean, it's like you said, it's week one. It's only three games, so it's. You don't want to over overstate the importance of it, but I mean, it's this was their biggest non-conference weekend. I mean, they and they went, you know, when if they're competing for hosting or national seeds and whatnot, and they're going to be competing with SEC and ACC teams, and 
You know, you look at their resume and what was their best non-conference weekend? Well, they played an SEC team and they got swept. That's, I mean, that's not gonna, that's that's gonna be a problem if you know, if they're in that mix and it's, you know the margins are gonna be thin. Um, I mean, they do have. They'll have midweek games with North Carolina and NC State, uh, UNCW. So they'll need to win some of those. They have chances to do some good things out of conference. But, I mean, this is a this is going to be a, a bit of a, an issue for them down the road. And, like, I just I was thinking about it uh, this morning. I mean, look at Coastal Carolina last year. Mm-hmm. Their biggest non-conference weekend, they got swept by Georgia Tech. And now, that was later in the year, so maybe it was a little bit different. But they went on the road and got swept by an ACC team, and that basically directly cost them a chance to host a regional. Obviously, it ended up working out for them, but but that was their showcase weekend, and they came up short, and this feels like that same kind of thing for ECU. Now, if they go out and dominate the American and win some of those those good midweek games, they certainly could still, you know, I certainly would expect them to be in that, still be in that mix to host and maybe be a national seed, but this is going to be, I mean, this is, it's only games one to three, but they all count, and it's going to be on their, you know, it's going to be something the committee talks about if, if they're in that mix. One, one thing that ECU does have going forward is the AAC is a pretty good Yeah, it's good generally conference. been pretty good. It, you know, Coastal playing in the Big South last year, they really, there was a little, yeah. Yeah, they really didn't have any chances to uh, come up with, with uh, a ranked opponent or, or, you know, much of... Much in the way of, of uh, you know top RPI top fifty competition. That's that's true. I mean, so they, you know, I think you see they'll play Houston, who's obviously had a good weekend, and that's a team we expect to be good. There's, you know, generally, you know, Tulane and UConn teams like that have been pretty strong in that conference. So, there, so that there are some chances for ECU to to make a make some noise, but uh, I mean, kind of like in non conference play, this was their their chance to shine, and they, like you guys were saying, they were competitive in every game. It's not like they were completely outplayed but losses are losses and they didn't uh, they couldn't they couldn't win any and win any of those games which I know it was on the road like you guys were saying and against a very talented team but you you would have thought a team with their experience level would have found a way to at least pull out one of those games yeah I mean uh playing at Swayze Field is very difficult but this is a team that almost won a super regional in Lubbock which is not an easy place to play either so you know, it, it's a little disconcerting at this point. We dropped them to 11 in the in the rankings, but um, you know, I, I think we all believe that they'll um, they'll be able to figure it out as, yeah. as as the season goes on here. Uh, and you know, I I still believe they have Omaha potential for sure. Um, I also think Ole Miss showed you know it's kind of ceiling this weekend. Um, you know, I mean, it it if those freshmen are going to play like that, you know, Thomas Dillard was is their leading hitter he hit 500 this weekend that's a freshman Cole Zabowski another freshman hit real well Greg Kessinger and Cooper Johnson at shortstop and catcher those are premium positions you're handing to freshmen they all played very well um Cooper Johnson didn't quite hit at the level that those other three did but um you know he's always going to be more of a defender than a hitter anyway um, but so if those guys can play well and they can continue to get good performances from Will Golson and, and Tate Blackman and, and Colby Bortles. Blackman didn't really hit particularly well this weekend either, but you know some of those older guys continue to step up and um, you know the pitching staff works. You know that this is a team that can be really good, and they're going to have to be really good here at the outset. You know, obviously they've got three games in the in the bag already against East Carolina, but UNC Wilmington goes to Oxford this weekend. That's a team that went to a regional final last year, um, and you've got. Uh, Mississippi going to the Shriners College Classic 
next week or in two weeks uh, in Houston to play an absolutely loaded field, which includes TCU. So, you know, th- these first few weeks, Ole Miss is getting tested. Th- these kids have to they have to respond, and to this point, they have. So, you know, they- they're going to have to continue to do this for the next few weeks, and then into SEC play and and the rest of the way. But if they do that, I think this Mississippi team can be really, really good. So the other top 10 upset this weekend was Wright State going to Clemson and winning two out of three. That was shocking, frankly. <laughs> um, you know, Wright State has been a very competitive team uh, for a few years now, a long time. Uh, they make back-to-back regional finals. But this is a very different Wright State team than, than the team that, that went to those regional finals. They had five players drafted from last year. Greg Lovelady leaves to become the, the coach at Central Florida. So it's just a very different-looking team. Uh, but this group, which, again, like, like Ole Miss, has some younger players in it. You know, they go to Clemson, and they are not, they're not overwhelmed at all. They go out. They win on opening day. They drop the second game of the series, and they come back with a, a loud 9-2 to win on Sunday to, to take the series and to, to move into the top 25 at number 25. Um, Wright State, I, I, I imagine not that many people nationally are familiar with them on, on a very intimate level. I mean, I, it might be a, a name that, that you've gotten used to hearing every once in a while, but uh, you know, th- this really probably is you know, their, their coming out party in a lot of ways. And, and I w- it was a very impressive weekend to me. I, I think uh, you know, Caleb Sampin was the Horizon League freshman of the year, expected to be their ace this season. He's out. He's banged up. Uh, he's not going to pitch for the first few weeks. So they, they did this without their ace. Um, but they got they got important contributions from some young players. Some of their returning players, like J.D. Orr, stepped up. Um, and, and they just played good, clean, all-around baseball in their two wins. The Saturday game, they had a few errors. But in their two wins, they just played good all-around baseball, which is what you have to do when you go to a place like Clemson. You can't be giving away outs. You know, you can't be giving away free passes, except maybe to Seth Beer. Um, and, and, you know, if you do that, you know, you have a chance to win if you have the talent, and Wright State has proven that they have the talent. Um, how much they're going to sustain this, I, it'll be very interesting to see. They, they go to South Carolina this weekend, they're going to earn it if they do. Um, yeah, yeah, an absolutely murderous first two weeks at Clemson, at South Carolina. Um, so, you know, it's going to be tough again this weekend. But, you know, if they just continue to, to do the do the little things that they were doing this weekend and, and, and continue to to put together good at-bats and, and their pitchers attack the zone, they, they have a lot of sinker ballers and and, and – manipulate their fastballs well if their pitchers do that and, and their defense plays plays cleanly behind them you know they this is a team that uh you know already has i mean they have the biggest series win on the board now uh you know we'll, we'll see if they they could add another one this weekend but you know I, they are definitely showing that they're not going away just because they lost the the core of of those teams that had really uh taken the program another step forward um in the last couple of years as for Clemson, um, Mike, what uh, what do we make of Clemson with uh, with opening the series with, with, with this kind of loss at home? Well, you know, you look at Clemson and kind of similar to last year. You know, the biggest question with them is just 
pitching. And, and because they really don't, you look at their weekend rotation, and you have three guys who've done it before, but not necessarily the most dominant guys. They're the three pitch ability guys. And, you know, they're going to be some weekends like this where they might struggle a little bit. Obviously, you hope it's not opening weekend against against Wright State, but that's, you know, kind of what ended up happening. Other than Pat Crawl, who was their, their savior last year, you know, both Charlie Barnes, who really, you know, from all reports, took a jump in the fall. I mean, a lot of people were, were talking about just the gains that he made. He was holding his velocity a little bit He's better. not supposed to be pitchability anymore. Yeah, he's supposed to be a little, you know, a little better, a little firmer. Um, you know, he got hit around a bit, and then Alex Ubix on Sunday, um, a guy who, you know, a, a guy who, even though he's a Sunday starter, I mean, last year he, he, he performed well. He had a big win against South Carolina, um, in, in the rivalry series and a guy with decent stuff and feel and you know he got hit around a bit too so you know that's that's a little concerning with them you know I think you know they're gonna have some weekends like that at times I think this year but you know as a whole I do think their pitching staff is a little bit deeper but you know you'd expect them to pitch a little bit better than they did this weekend um, you know I know something that we talked about on our top 25 call last night was just losing Chris Williams their catcher for the first you know four to six weeks of the season you know, that could be something that is going to be challenging for them going forward, you know, because we saw it, you know, like like you said with UCLA last year when they lost their starting catcher and, and they really struggled, you know, through the first few weeks of the season. Um, so, but, you know, with all that said, you look at what else Clemson did this weekend and there are some, some very positive signs. You know, Logan Davidson, their freshman shortstop that they brought in that everyone's been talking up. You know, scouts were talking him up, you know, out of high school. He had a really nice opening weekend. Um, he played well. He homered. He was batting in the middle of the order. Um, he, he looked good. And then Seth Beer picking up where he left off, hitting two home runs this weekend. You know, he's on pace to have a similar season, obviously only three games in. But, you know, he's off to a good start. So they're going to hit. They have, they have a lot of power, a lot of interesting guys in that lineup. It's just a matter of if they can pitch consistently enough and keep their team in the game. So we'll, we'll see how they, how they do going forward. They're playing Elon next weekend, and they're going to be at home for, for a while now. So we'll see how they do. Well, they do have that um, big South Carolina series in two it's weeks. A, yeah, two mm-hmm. weeks, right? Yeah, yeah so they're, they've got to get it straightened out for that. Um, and then ACC play starts the week after that. So they, they got to whatever, – whatever issues you know, they feel like they have, they got to get them corrected. Be in a little bit of a hole if they, if they lose that South Carolina series here. But and then hey, Elon is a guy that just threw a no hitter, so yeah, you never know. That's true. The first the first no hitter in was it uh, Web, Division Robbie one. Wellhaff was that Robbie his? Wellhaff? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, a redshirt junior, um, just his third collegiate start through uh, through a no hitter. So pretty pretty impressive feat. Yeah, I mean, uh, while we're on that, that was Saturday against Longwood, yeah, and not uh, the only no hitter of the weekend. Yeah, well, not like a couple hours later, Jared Poche of LSU finished up his uh, his no hitter against Army. Uh, it was a seven inning no hitter that game, the the second game of a double header, um, and there were a few near misses on other no hitters around the country. There there were a few other like one hit. Yeah, games. probably there were several one hitters. Yeah, going around. and um, yeah, so it was. There were some pitchers that were ready to go this weekend, and uh, I mean that sometimes you, you see that pitchers are ahead of hitters, but um, there were some impressive pitching performances, and we did not have to wait very long for for our no hitters. Um, you know, two in one day, uh, the second day of the season. I mean, that's uh, that's 
that's pretty impressive, uh, you know, to, to be able to go out and do that in your, your first start, and, and especially for Wellhaf to go nine innings, to be ready to go nine innings in your first start. Uh, he was efficient, obviously, but um, you know, you, the first few weekends, you don't expect to see guys throwing complete games, even if they're seven inning games. I mean, no. most guys are going five or six innings. Yeah, what was it? What was it, they took Lang out and what? Lane Lane went five, pitches, yeah. Something. Lane threw five innings the the game before Poche, yeah. and I want to say he threw like eighty five pitches. Um, you know, so I mean that that's more typical. Yeah. So you know, kudos to to Poche and yeah. We were theorizing he probably would not have gone further, or right. how much farther he would yeah, have gone. I, I it don't have been know, a nine inning game, but I don't know how much farther. Certainly was efficient in the seven he yeah. went, so you give him credit for that for sure. He only faced one over the minimum. It was an error that um, that cost him a, a perfect game. So. Kudos to Poche, kudos to Wellhaf for, uh, for coming out and, uh, and starting the season strong. Mike, you saw another guy that started the season very strong, uh, J.B. Bukowskis, North Carolina on Friday night, a uh, guy that you know, is uh, looking like a top-five pick overall. Yeah. Um, what, what was it that, that was working for him against Kentucky? Well, he looked like a top five pick overall on Friday. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing was the very first pitch of the game was ninety six mile per hour fastball single up the middle, and you're thinking, oh, well, that's that's kind of surprising that you know one pitch and he's already in trouble. But you know, the, the thing with him is is after that he started mixing in his slider a little bit more, and really that that one two punch of his you know mid nineties fastball and his slider, which is you know ranges from eighty five to eighty seven with you know, hard, hard bite to it, you know, it's just, it's tough to hit, you know, at the college level, and he, he tried to, he mixed in a couple of change-ups, it's still a pitch he needs to work on, I talked with him afterward, and, you know, he wasn't happy with his change-up, he maybe threw a handful of them in the game, but when you have the fast bar, fastball and slider working like he did, he's going to be difficult to hit, and he gave up, he gave up just three hits in six innings, I think all three came in the first two innings, um, struck out ten, I mean, he was in control, you know, he's someone who's definitely, you know, I remember seeing him his freshman year, and he'd have games where he just couldn't command his slider at all. He was just all fastball, and he'd get hit around a little bit because people could sit on it. But now, you know, talking to him after this game, he recognized, okay, they're jumping on my fastball. They're looking for it. Let me go ahead and mix in the slider a little bit more. And he made that adjustment, and he was filthy. And it's a good hitting lineup, that Kentucky lineup. You know, there's some scary bats in there, and, you know, he did a good job neutralizing them. So, you know, and the, the pitching staff around him. I mean, North Carolina has a lot of arms this year, and, you know, Jason Morgan did well on, on Saturday. Another junior arm, uh, a guy with some experience, showed some flashes in the past, a little inconsistent, but he did well. And Luca Delatri, you know, one of several freshman arms that they brought in, pitched well on Sunday. Although he, he did give up four runs, but he lasted seven innings. He was efficient. And, um, you know, he's a guy who could be an inning, innings eater for them this year on Sundays. That North Carolina sweep to start the season we talked about Ole Miss and, and their young players North Carolina's recruiting class was number two in the country in the fall and mm-hmm. um you know so that was a that was an, imp- an important start for them as well um they uh you know they, they like Ole Miss have a have a difficult early season schedule Kentucky uh on opening weekend Radford this weekend but Long Beach State coming in in the third weekend and then they're into ACC play already they got Virginia opening with right. Virginia so exactly tough. yeah um now most of that is at home. I think that's all at home, actually. Yeah. Um, so that that's helpful for the Tar Heels, but you know that those those kids needed to to start off their careers well, and many of them did. Mm-hmm. And now they need to to keep it going against some uh, against some tough competition here. 
Yeah, and the guys that they had coming back, too. I mean, Logan Warmoth, the guy who, you know, really finished last year strong, had a, a nice showing in the Cape, and has kind of, you know, emerged as a prospect, a, you know, a, a solid shortstop prospect. He had a really nice weekend, you know, in the field and at the plate. He homered on Sunday. You know, he looked good. You know, Zach Hagen had, had a few big hits as well. You know, he's someone who health-wise, there's maybe some concern with him coming in, but he was good to go playing second base, and, you know, he played well, and, yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing, the question for me with North Carolina really was just how much were they going to hit, and you know how much would the offense, you know, progress from last year because they they struggled at times, and you know it certainly seemed like a more offensive group, and a more physical group than they did a year ago. So, um, adding guys like Brandon Martorano helped too, and, and and guys like that, Michael Bush, another freshman who they really like, he batted in the three hole, he had a few big hits as well, so. You know, they, they seem like they were holding their own at the plate for the most part against some talented arms with Kentucky. I mean, Sean Jelly, six foot eleven, coming at you. I mean, that's not that's not easy. So it looked good. One of the uh, other big series this weekend uh, was out at Fullerton, where Stanford uh, went down the coast. Uh, they had some uh, difficult weather um, this weekend all over California, and that series actually opened on Thursday. Fullerton got the one nothing victory on the. Uh, Soft opening day for college baseball. And then Fullerton just pitched really well almost all weekend. For two and a half games. Yeah. Um, I've never heard that phrase before. <laughs> for, the, for 22 innings, they allowed one run. Um, which, yes, Mike, that, that's absolutely shocking that, that Fullerton would do that. Uh, especially when most of those innings were Colton Eastman, Connor Siebold, and John Gavin. Which, I mean, that rotation, I mean, you can put that up there with... With pretty much anyone in the country, you know, it yeah. stacks up it very, very well, uh, and, and it's going to make Fullerton difficult to beat all season. And it made it made Stanford's life really difficult. Um, they finally were able to get to some bullpen, some of Fullerton's bullpen, which is a bit of a weak point for Fullerton. They lost a lot of guys from the pen to the draft last year. They're still trying to figure out how they're piecing it together, and by Sunday. Um, Stanford was finally able to break through, and, and they came back and scored seven unanswered to win in 11 innings and, and salvage the weekend a little bit. Um, but, Jimmer, just what, a, what do you make of, uh, of Fullerton's start to the season? Uh, well, certainly the pitching is the big thing. I mean, like you were saying, those that's as, you know, that's as good a rotation as you'll find. And to get, you know, we, we kind of talked a little bit about on the call last night, some of these other West Coast teams didn't have the, uh, the greatest of starts with uh, Long Beach and UCSB both losing so that was you know for Fullerton to make a statement like that against a good you know top 25 team a Pac-12 team in Stanford it's you know that's that's a very a strong start for them I think uh yeah, I read it was the first time they've beaten the Cardinals since 2009 uh, so that you know that's, that's certainly encouraging and you know I think Taylor Bryant had five RBIs in the uh the game the second game of that series so that's you know, and, they, and you know they put up some you know they put up eight runs in that game even though they lost the Sunday game they slipped they put up six so that's you know, certainly have to be encouraged, to, you know, to get off the, on that kind of start. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's the Fullerton's a team we expect to be there at the end. I mean, they, we have them as the the best team in the, in the West. You know, Oregon State obviously is right there, and they had a strong weekend as well, especially on the mound. But I mean, yeah, that's that's a good start for the Titans. Yeah, it was it was a nice start for for Oregon State um, playing Indiana and Duke out in uh, Arizona, and they uh, they come away with some some pretty good wins in that one too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Luke Heimlich uh, struck out 11 on opening day against Indiana, and then, yeah, and then they their offense kind of came alive the next two days against Duke, and yeah, it was a pretty pretty complete uh, opening weekend for the Beavers, and 
Uh, they think they have one more game left with Indiana today, for, and then uh, they got and they play uh, more. They're staying in Arizona and they play Nebraska and Ohio State this, uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Oregon State really needed that after uh, you know the disappointment of not making the tournament last year to, to come out and, and start the season strong, um, which they absolutely did. You know, I, I think that was important for the Beavers as they, uh, you know, I mean, we have some of these healthy, some of these guys back yes. healthy. I think Elliot Carey yes. had a good day Sunday, so that's that's all, all, all good signs for them. We have them as Pac-12 favorites for a reason, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick, Nick Magical doing Nick Magical he did, things. He did his thing, <laughs> and, yeah. and interestingly, playing shortstop. Um, obviously, he he had played second base last year um, when, with Trevor Morrison there, and uh, he slid over to, to short. Um, we weren't quite sure whether he or Caden Grenier would would see more time there, but um, you know they've got two very good options up the middle in, in Grenier and Madrigal, and uh, Madrigal doing it offensively um, this weekend and looking like one of one of the the best players in the the 2018 draft class from a college hitter perspective, at least. Across the country, I was at Coastal, um, where the defending champs uh, held their ring ceremony on Saturday. They they had celebrations all weekend, really, for, for last year's team. I thought it was pretty cool that they were doing a ring ceremony during you know opening weekend. Yeah, I can't recall another one like that, another team doing that. No, it, ring ceremonies in college baseball, like almost universally, are held during the winter at, at your banquet or a basketball the halftime of a basketball game or, or something because it's so hard to get players back this time of year you know guys are going to spring training but coastal they did it they got everyone there all of last year's team player coaches they brought in a bunch of people from omaha that like had helped the team there um it was it was really cool to see and that, that was a fun ceremony on saturday and then the game started on Saturday, and uh, Western Carolina jumped on Jason Billis right away and uh, was able to hold on for a, for a win. And then Coastal, Western Carolina can hit. Western saw, Carolina saw can hit. I saw them up close and personal last year. They uh, did not play as well on opening day against St. John's, but they, uh, they rebounded and, and they, uh, you know, they, they spoiled Coastal's party a little bit on Saturday. And then Coastal on Sunday uh, took a loss to James Madison a little bit. A little bit shocking the way that happened. James Madison uh, jumped on Andrew Beckwith, last year's uh, College World Series most outstanding player. Um, Coastal one and two right now. They still have a game in that tournament to finish up today against St. John's. But uh, we knew Coastal was going to look a lot different. You know, they they were very old last year. A lot of seniors on that team. But I didn't expect them to be one and two right now. I, I do think they'll figure it out. I, I think what I saw down there was a lot of talent, um, just some young pieces that they're they're trying to, to figure out how everything fits together. And on Friday after they won, Gary Gilmore said, you know, we don't have to be an Omaha team right now. Um, it doesn't do us any good to be an Omaha team right now. And he's right. They they don't have to be there. you you got plenty of time to to improve as a team. You kind of wrote about this with them putting Beck within the bullpen. Right. That's all kind of a... Let's figure out what we've got, and then we'll kind of go from there, I guess. Yeah, they're starting out. Alex Cunningham started on, on Friday night, and, and Beckwith is in the bullpen because they um, they feel like they have starting pitchers. What they don't have is guys that can bridge the starters to the reliever or to, to closer um, right now, and uh, Beckwith can be that bridge, although on, on Friday it worked very well. On Sunday it didn't work quite as well. Um, but, you know, he's still... 
one of the best pitchers in college baseball. Um, you know, wherever they put him, whether he stays in the bullpen or moves back to Friday night, which he probably will, um, you know, he's he's going to be good, and, and, and they're going to have a real weapon uh, there. But, you know, for now, they've just got to figure out some of these freshmen and, and younger players who, who haven't had to play, uh, you know, haven't had – they're just moving into new, bigger roles, and, and they, they just have to figure out – how everyone fits together, what their best lineup is, you know, who they can use out of the bullpen in what situations. And, um, you know, there's still going to be a, a pretty formidable team here this season, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Virginia coming off of its national championship. Virginia struggled a little bit at the start of last year trying to, you know, the same kind of thing, trying to figure out roles for different players, lost a couple of, you know, key pitchers and, and all of that. And, you know, obviously they figured it out. They ended up hosting a regional, so... You know, I could see Coastal Carolina. They they do have talent and the pieces on that roster. It's just a matter of, like you said, just finding the right spots for them. And I think they will. I mean, I think at this point, you know, you should have a lot of faith in that coaching staff of what they've yeah. accomplished. You know, I think they've earned that trust. You know, so I, I think, uh, I, you know, I'm not trying to overreact about any of these teams, you know, after the first weekend. I think it's just, to, you know, it's baseball. You know, sometimes that's going to happen. And, you know, it's just something to keep an eye on with them. Hey, the uh... – you know, the other top team in the Sun Belt didn't have a greatest weekend either. So, yeah, the, uh, the Raging Cajuns, one run in two games. They were not, not, uh, not so. They were not raging. They were not raging. No, I beat you to it there. Yeah, so you can tell us uh, where you're going. Only yeah. only one run in two games, uh, but their pitching staff only two only runs two, in two right. games. So, so uh, you know, it was pros uh, and cons. yeah, very very <laughs> low scoring out there. Uh, but that I mean, that's a long standing problem for the Cajuns going back yeah. to last year is that they pitch. Yeah, they, they, they that was the their offense. Yeah, I mean that was their thing last year they didn't they couldn't get they couldn't hit enough and that was what kind of let I mean their pit when their pitching kind of faltered a little bit they didn't have the offense to make up for it and this weekend was kind of more of the same yeah I mean it's only two games but on the other hand it was Murray State and Hofstra so they it's going to get harder they yeah. go to uh Sam Houston Sam State Houston, this yeah. weekend and, and Sam Houston won the Southland very consistent team Southland favorites again so um you know, Louisiana Lafayette is another one of these teams. Like, you, know, you gotta. There, there is not much time to get things figured out. No. Um, you know, when when you're a team like that playing that kind of schedule, you uh, you don't have breathers here at the start of the year very often. So you gotta you gotta get it going. And um, you know, they have hitters there. They just have to have to figure out how to get that offense uh, kickstarted here as as uh, they move past opening weekend. You know, so I, I think those were, were really the main storylines of opening weekend. Um, it uh, wound up being a, a very exciting one around the country. The weather in California mostly mostly worked out. Um, you know, I, Friday was a little wet for them, but uh, it looks like everybody got their games in. Yeah, I, I think around the country, pretty much everyone got their games in. There were some rainouts or, or, or postponements here and there. Um, you know, in Arizona, California, some in the some of the South, but. Uh, for the most part, it was a it was a, a strong opening weekend. Um, there were a lot of attendance records set. Coastal was setting attendance records. Uh, we mentioned Mississippi's. I saw Arkansas set uh, an attendance record. So there were a lot of people out there watching some some pretty good college baseball this this last weekend, and um, that's always exciting to see after after a long uh, a long off season. Yeah, no, it was awesome, and you know the weather. I know the weather for me was was beautiful uh, covering the Carolina-Kentucky series, nice, you know, 72, 73 degrees, um, which 
which I especially appreciated as I battled a cold. Say, are you, what are you doing getting sick? Because yeah, because <laughs> I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be sitting outside in you know 40, 50 degree weather like I have on previous opening days. So, so that was nice. And yeah, I mean it was is really an action packed. I mean from the from the no hitters that were thrown to you know a couple of upsets that we saw. You know Wright State doing what they did, and um, you know Ole Miss not an upset necessarily, but still you know seeing what they did with that young team responding and. You know, it, it it was cool just to see just you know a lot of great baseball being played in the in the very first weekend. So, and you know, the, some of the performances we didn't even touch on, like you know Brendan McKay at Louisville, you know, homering and and shoving on the mound in, in the same game. You know, he's an early front runner for Player of the Year. You know, a guy like that. Um, and then you know, obviously some of the the top prospects like you know JP Pekowski's throwing really well and. You know all that, so it, it was cool to see. And also, also I want to give a shout out to JC Cloney at Arizona for throwing a seven scoreless innings after throwing what was it, I guess sixteen scoreless innings in the College World Series last year. So continuing that, he's up to twenty three now, dating back to that, which is pretty impressive. That is, um, and also I, I want to touch on TCU very briefly here. Our number one team in the country, very impressive this weekend right. against Penn State. Uh, Nick Lodolo makes his college debut on Sunday. Solid. Um, TCU just, again, looking looking like the, the team that we thought they were, this experienced, powerful lineup, strong pitching. They really overpowered Penn State all weekend, I felt like. No, for sure. I mean, that was a pretty complete performance you know, on both sides of the ball. And I think uh, Luke and Baker hit another home run, I think, on Saturday. And, yeah, that's... And that was another team that had... I think they had, I think they had 15,000 fans for their three games. So that was another... Another strong weekend out there. So hopefully we get another great weekend this weekend. Uh, there's some there's some intriguing matchups here. Miami goes to Florida. We mentioned uh, the first time that series is a little under the radar. That's yeah, usually, I mean, right? that's usually like the best. That's usually like always the prime series of week two. Uh, I mean, one of the best rivalries in college baseball, and uh, get that one going. We mentioned Wright State going to South Carolina. Louisiana Lafayette going to uh, to Sam Houston State. Maryland at LSU. Maryland Terps at LSU. looking to rebound after yeah. a pretty uh, uninspiring opening weekend, unfortunately. A couple interesting tournaments. We mentioned the Big Ten Pac-12 showdown in um, Surprise with Oregon State, Utah, um, Ohio State, and Nebraska. Tony Gwynn Classic is this weekend. Uh, last year that produced two uh, Omaha teams. So... Um, Another exciting weekend of college baseball to come, and uh, we'll have it all coverage of it all here at BaseballAmerica.com. Um, you can find this week's Top 25, powered by Louisville Slugger, uh, online. Um, there's Off the Bat. There's The Tracker. Um, there will be feature stories. Mike is writing about Evan White. Um, you can read about all of this weekend's action over online. Uh, so there's plenty, plenty there, plenty more to come. Uh, So stick with us here at Baseball America. Uh, We'll be back to talk with you next week uh, on the uh, College Top 25 podcast powered by Louisville Slugger, Power in Numbers. Uh, Until then, I'm Teddy Cahill. Thank you to Mike Lanana and Jim Schoenard. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, 
the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 